Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I am your host, Mike Woy. Joining me, of course, is the rookie, Chris Dashew. I am here, and I am not making people angry at my presence, as one Steve Landisberg seems to do with everyone in the precinct but himself. On this episode, we are talking about three episodes of the original Barney Miller from Season 4, Episodes 7, 8, and 9. We're talking about Blizzard from November 3rd, 1977, Chase from November 17th, 1977, and Thanksgiving Story from, get this, November 24th, 1977, probably right around Thanksgiving, Chris. With a title like Thanksgiving Story, I can't imagine when it would be. We get accused of being a couple of libtards and a bunch of wokesters around here. But man, when you watch this Blizzard episode, it sure is funny because one of our main stories is a guy who is uh, out there and he's crazy because he thinks that there's climate change happening. Good old Lou Cattell. What's really funny is... He plays the character perfectly, but yeah, it's weird seeing this character at this point in time. Mr. Little Two on the nose, as they would say. He's also going the opposite way when he's talking about the ice shelf is increasing and the size of glaciers is increasing. Yeah, we're kind of going the other way here, buddy. Hate to break it to you. It's you know, it's interesting because the show does kind of cover all kinds of stuff. I mean, we've seen multiple episodes about... I would say treatment of the LGBTQ community. We've seen several episodes about sex workers as well. And now it's interesting to see them tackling this. Because again, it just, I wouldn't have expected it in this show. Let's just put it that way. When the episode started, I had to stop and go back and look and say, have I seen this episode before? Because there was recently one where it was raining very hard outside. And this time it's snowing very hard outside, but it's a different person that comes up to Barney and starts to talk about weather. And this time it is uh, Dietrich, who is just killing it in this episode. He's killing it kind of in general. What's funny is I think, and dear friend of the show, Otto Bruno, may take umbrage with what I'm about to say, but it would seem that we are hitting the peak of the show. Or at least getting very close to it operating at, like, peak comedy. 
because these three episodes and almost everything up until this point this season has been really good. Yeah, they are really firing on all cylinders. And it's weird because I don't miss Vagoda as much as I thought I would. And frankly, it seems like without a Vagoda, the jokes are kind of moving in a different direction. There are a lot less Henny Youngman, take my wife, please take my wife. I mean, that was, you know, that was a lot of Abe Vigoda's stuff with, with his, you know, with, with his wife. So it's nice to see the show kind of going in a different direction and talking about different things. It, it really is. It's refreshing because it's not the B or A plot. I guess they're kind of interchangeable here. The Ice Age or the, you know, the, the Ice Age global warming alarmist or the, the corpse in the precinct. I don't know which one would be the A or B, but putting the corpse on Barney's couch is pretty great. He's not going to bother you. (laughs) He'll just sit there. We don't like that type of humor around here, Nick. Sorry, Mr. Yamana. Yeah, it's uh, a... I really do appreciate that the show seems to be diversifying the comedy. And also, it it would seem giving Yamana more to do. He's been kind of underutilized the last three seasons. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know, he is actually a character. He's not just a punchline or a joke machine. Yeah, we're giving him a little bit of room to breathe. I don't think that he makes – well, in one of these episodes, there's the whole thing about him betting on some weird sports team. I think that's the Thanksgiving story. Yeah. But otherwise, the betting isn't forefront for at least two out of the three episodes. Neither is the coffee. No, it's the ginger tea. <laughs> right. Fair, but there's no coffee jokes, which is, again, they're they're not just going back to the old tropes, which I appreciate. Because, I mean, again, this is the fourth season of the show. We're like, how many episodes into this show now? Uh, 66, maybe 67, counting the, the other pilot. That's a lot. You can get caught into some really easy channels of joking. Like, easy channels of, like, jokes to make. But I'm glad to see they're doing something different. And, you know, it's nice to have uh, Ripner back again, once again, one more time. Yeah, having Ripner back, it is very nice. Uh, Recurring character, Arnold Ripner, the lawyer, kind of a shyster, ambulance-chasing type lawyer. Though he seems to have uh, people's best interests at heart. And he even gives, uh, kind of gives Harris some advice, though he wants to charge him for it afterwards when he finds that his uh, client will be paying. As you do, as they would say. He's been in the show several times, but every time but one time he's playing the same character. And he'll be there all through 82, so this is not the last time we're seeing him. This is about the second or third or fourth, I guess, probably fourth. It's just nice to see that there are recurring characters on this show. I do appreciate that. Unlike Mike, you know, just Mike. We all still miss Mike so much. Miss Mike every day. He'll show up one day and be like, you're back, buddy. I'm sure his name is still on the board right near the door in the precinct. Right under Harris, Inc., Right, right next to, right, right uh, underneath Monique, or not Monique Marmelstein, uh, what is her name? Oh, you're talking about uh, Wentworth? Yeah, Wentworth. She still works here, just don't see her anymore. I can't remember which of these three it is, but uh, at one point, Wojo's on the phone to a woman, and they're talking about, you know, the special night they're going to have, and I was like, is he talking to Wentworth? Are you talking about the turkey thing? I think that's it. It was the yeah. turkey. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That was what I hoped. I mean, hey, they, him and Wentworth were cute together. This one moves along very quickly, and you're right as far as 
I'm not sure which one is the A story versus the B story, because at least uh, Lucatel is around for a while, whereas Lewis Charles is there and dead very quickly. Yeah, almost like immediately. The joke in this episode is there's a corpse, which means the guy has to die almost immediately. Unfortunately, not given a lot to do, but hey, you made a day's pay or a couple days pay. So I don't know. Lewis Charles probably was just like, all right, whatever. I'll probably be back at another point. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I'll, maybe this time I won't be a corpse. Who knows? It was TV in the 70s. He actually uh, will be back in 78 in Loan Shark. So, yeah, so he will be back. So, yeah, what does he have to worry about? Nothing. Yeah, I was kind of happy. One of the uh, the EMS pickup guys is this guy called uh, Al Berry, who I mostly known as the Ryland spy from uh, The Last Starfighter. He uh, it mostly just has a lot of makeup on his face. But uh, so I think he was uh, he was both an actor and uh, I thought he was a stuntman, but nothing is showing up in his CV about stunt work. He has a lot of credits, though. He sure does. Including Halloween 3. Hell yes. Season of the Witch, baby. It's a great film. Yes, it is. I'm glad people have finally come around to that one. What they realize is it didn't have Michael Myers in it, but then the movies that did weren't much better anyways. Kind of get what you deserve asking for that one. So let's move on to the second of the three, which is Chase, where... Wojo isn't in this one too much, but he's got a good reason for that. So you've got that story going on about how he has stolen Antonio Mione's cab. And then you have the other story, which is the heroin dealer. And I'm doing finger quotes, heroin dealer that they bring into the precinct who has just a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, played by George Loros, who uh, I would have had nothing to say about him if not for the fact that I have been watching a lot of The Sopranos. And he plays one of the characters on there. Yeah, he plays one of the uh, capos, capo, I guess the capos in the show for like almost the entire show's run. He's like a reoccurring. Yeah, he's in the first season to the last season, I think. And it's what's really funny is I recognize him because of his... His nose and his eyes, because his nose and his eyes as he's gotten older, I mean, obviously this is you know, 77, so he's an old man now, you know, but uh, I recognize him from his eyes and nose because he has a really great profile he, and he's just, and he's a good actor too. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty good. I mean, he's, he's very, very good in this episode because there, the twist in this episode, I didn't see coming. I did not expect the return of Lieutenant Scanlon coming in and trying to sting the guys with a internal affairs investigation as to whether they would accept bribery or not. Is Scanlon just the worst or what? George Murdoch is just, oh my God, he does such a great job at being that character, that specific character. I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. I recognize him as one of the elders from the X-Files movie, but he's plays a real good scumbag. You know what? It's nice to see that there is kind of a reoccurring character that antagonizes them in the way that Luger didn't. But I don't know if this is going to be a constant because this is the first time we've seen something like this. Yeah, I hope that it's not a constant Scanlan test through the rest of the show. The show hasn't done anything like this with like the George Loro's character where it's, oh, he turns out he's a cop. Like They haven't done a single episode like that yet. So it's really interesting to see him go, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a cop. And this is a whole sting operation. Like that was very surprising because it it's a little bit more 
you know how they people say like, oh, this is overwritten. This that's like approach that's approaching overwriting in a lot of ways. And this show doesn't tend to overwrite stuff. This, I mean, it's a sitcom. It benefits from not overwriting things. I mean, the show has a laugh track. It's just interesting. It was a little bit more of a nuanced plot than I was expecting. I thought the writing was really great when it came to the cab driver and his fare and this whole thing of her being a Virgo. And I like how they're covering her virgin uh, status by her being a Virgo and just how all of their dialogue at one point is double entendres the whole time. No, she is fantastic. That I actually really like that back and forth between those two characters. Again, we've seen this character, the one that uh, Muse Small, I guess is what she goes by now. Uh, the character that she plays is a very similar one to a lot of the characters we've seen, a lot of female characters. It's either we've seen like horny characters, horny female characters, or like demure female characters. And then half of the demure ones are also horny. This one fits into that demure, horny category, but she's not the only one that we've seen. She just happens to be, I think, the most endearing without being creepy, probably because she's not getting involved with any of the police officers. She was in a Kolchak episode. She was in The Ripper, where she played a masseuse. And I want to say that it was her. And then I want to say she was part of a lesbian relationship. So it was her and uh, much more of a butch lesbian. And, of course, Carl's like, yes, sir. And I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think she's the one that dies. I think you're probably right, yeah. And that was when she was going by Myra Small, M-A-R-Y-A, or Mara, Maria, maybe. Maria. Muse is a, Muse is a, that's a great name. And she was fortunate enough to work with, um, Milos Foreman, so then Milos loved to use his actors over and over again, so she ended up being in both uh, One Flew with the Cuckoo's Nest and then Man in the Moon, and I'm not sure if she worked with him on anything else, but I always liked that he would take those same actors, you know, uh, Miles Copeland. Folks. Yeah, exactly, and just like, okay, you're in this little part, or there's no small parts, so it's just small actors, right? No, Tarantino's the only one who does that. I didn't realize I was I was so wrong. Luis Avalos is great, too. Again, playing a character that could have been, like, massively overwritten. And isn't. And, and, and isn't. He could have flipped his wig when he found that his cab was completely smashed. And he holds it together, but you can tell that he's pissed. And you can tell that he's super upset because there goes his entire livelihood. He's doing kind of a, I don't know what I would consider, but like a Ricky Ricardo thing. Which, again, like, that's where I'm saying, like, this show, like, this episode is a little overwritten, because, like, that's a little... I'm not sure in 77 we need to be going back to that, like, that, like, okay, we get it. Like, people who are Spanish, when they're angry, speak fast. We watched Lucy and Ricky, like, have to deal with it for, you know, however long that show was on. Well, it's like uh, Otto was telling us, he, uh, Danny Arnold loved when Gregory Sierra did that. He wanted yep, uh, that one female detective who he thought was... Batista. Thank you. Yes. Batista. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, look, I get it, but I'm just glad they don't like steer into it as hard. It's just like a, it's a little bit. Yeah. Again, this show really is kind of defined by the character actors who show up in the precinct, given that this show is so set bound when they get really good character actors like 
everybody. I mean, Joey Oresco even not given much to do, but still kind of just, you know, there. He looks like a street flunky, I guess. I mean, everybody in this episode is great. My wife was like, are they twins? Because he had a little bit of a resemblance between Oresco and Loros. Kind of. And I was like, well, kind of, yeah, with the nose, I guess they kind of looked a little similar. So she was very confused when they brought him into the precinct. Yeah, they both have very long uh, bridges of their noses. And kind of floppy 70s hair at the time. Yeah, the hair is where it's at. I love the hair. But yeah, no, this this is a really good one. This is another great episode. My God. Again, the show is really operating at peak comedy. And the next episode is just, oh boy. Next episode is Thanksgiving Story, which has a, uh, well, the biggest thing in here is that a lot of people have uh, escaped from an asylum, or at least three patients, so not a lot. Three or four. There are a lot of people in the precinct, though. Yeah, the guy doesn't want to wear clothes. Right. There's the old man. There's the woman who says that she killed her husband and then her father. Is there another one that I'm forgetting? No, but then there's the also there's the A plot of the guy who stabs his brother-in-law. Right. Yep. I, oh my god. That's the best <laughs> this is the best D trick right here in this. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, t- there's three patients, but then there's also there's the orderly, there's the nurse, and there's the doctor all at the precinct as well. So yeah, you've got six extra characters in the precinct, not even including the guy who gets stabbed and then his brother-in-law. And I would like to point out once again, the nurse character is horny as fuck. Oh my God, is she, she ever. Would, she's serving yeah. it up on a platter to Harris yeah, here. Yeah, she's like, hey, hey Harris, you want to like just fuck me in like front of everybody? Because that's essentially what I'm offering. You ask and I will give. <laughs> yeah, that is what she says. Oh, and she, I, she just got fucked by the orderly. Again, like I said, there are certain kinds of characters in this show, and this is one we've seen over and over again, but it works here, I guess, because of her profession. She's not like a lonely housewife type thing, which is what we've kind of seen over and over again, or like the character in the last episode, which is like a person, as opposed to like, you're here. She was here for a specific reason. She just happened to be horny. She wasn't there because she was horny or something else, which is kind of what we've seen before. I like this episode. It's a very wild episode, though. So I, I made reference to Dietrich, and so the guy who gets stabbed, uh, or he sta- he does the stabbing, he's uh, a man who's very angry that his brother-in-law and sister are living with he and his wife, because he considers them freeloaders. The brother-in-law is, what, some sort of an artist? Is he a sculptor or something? He's a sculptor. He's a sculptor. So, of course, this guy looks down on that completely, and Dietrich just lays it all out for him at one point. He's like, hey, most of the time, the person that, uh, if it's a family member, if there's an altercation like this, they're going to drop the charges. So you're you're scot-free with that. Then usually about two weeks later, the person that dropped the charges will try to murder. (laughs) They'll get their revenge. (laughs) To get revenge. And so the guy gets let free and there's Dietrich going, two weeks. (laughs) Come along, (laughs) (laughs) brother-in-law. 
so good. Yeah, the look on the guy's face as he leads him out the door. Come along, brother-in-law. It's like so. Oh, it's like you know you're gonna get stabbed. Dietrich just has these lines, man. In that one with the climate guy, uh, he's like, "Did you know that the polar ice caps are increasing?" Blah blah blah. And Dietrich's like, "Well, yes, I did." Well, I mean, in, in this episode is the nudist thing. He's like, I agree. You know, they say people who are in nudist colonies have less anger and frustration. And the guy's like, why do you wear clothes that I got to wear a badge somewhere? It's so good. <laughs> There's the one, uh, I can't remember if it was this one or the previous episode where the guy's like, I need you to tell me everything you know. And he's like, how long you got? Dietrich suits my comedy style more than as much as I like Dave Vigoda, which again, don't get me wrong. I like Dave Vigoda a lot, as I know you did. Dietrich just steers more into what I want from comedy, which I, I think the show needed in a lot of ways because it's a lot uh, fresher comedically than what the show had been doing. And I think this does give Nick an opportunity to do other things because he was that dry voice before, and it feels like he's moving out into other things. I I did like this was the one that I was talking about how he made a bet on was it like corn state Al- Alcorn State? Yeah. And- <laughs> And at first I was thinking, is that a typo? Because he had been doing the um, inventory in the previous episode and he was looking for a catcher's mitt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) And so I was like, did you bet on a team that you couldn't read the name of or something? So he's busy doing that. But that every time we cut back to him and he's just like panicking because no one's ever heard of this team that he bet all of his money on. Like, this is great. This is comedy gold. No, it's it's good. It, and again, it, it, having someone else doing the dry humor allows him to do anything else, which helps. And yeah, then you get the lunacy of the mental patients that are in there. Ian Wolfe as Mr. Biederman. I mean, what a performance. What a strange performance. It was in danger of stealing the show there. I go in here and you stay out there, weirdos. Like... What is that? I, I don't know what that performance was. This The actor uh, Ian Wolf comes back again in like three seasons, I think, playing a different character. But man, what a strange, oddly specific performance. And George Scaff is Dr. Engels and his whole thing of the certain terms that you use, like when they say escaped, he's like, no, 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 don't say escaped. But then in another thing he's like oh yeah that's totally fine yeah it's like right right we don't want to think that we don't have a up a, a tip-top shape program running here <laughs> can't say they escaped it's a funny episode because it does have like it has multiple facets to the single story there are multiple angles there's the horny nurse there's the mental patients there's the crazy doctor you know it's it's it, i think this is you know of the thanksgiving episodes because it's the second one now Oh, yeah, it definitely is, because there's Luger. (laughs) Right? There's Luger, just like, hey, Barn, remember last year when you invited me over for Christmas? Yeah, that was was real great. Uh, You were, like, fucking weird then, too. Well, Bonnie, I'm going to go home and water my plastic plant. See you tomorrow. Say hi to your wife and kids for me. (laughs) I think they sell turkeys as, like, a one-pound turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Right, for single serving. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, Barney Barney takes pity on him, of course, at the end, because Barney is way too nice of a character, <laughs> right? And you know Liz is just going to be giving it to him as soon as he comes home and says, oh, you're going to have to sit. Fucking another place. Again. Yeah. 
this psycho that you work with. This, like, completely belligerent old man (laughs) who invites himself to our Thanksgiving every year now. We did it one time. We didn't agree to it. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, it's really funny. That was one time too much. Now, this is a really funny episode. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with Thanksgiving for the most part. Other than the Luger plot, you wouldn't know that it's Thanksgiving. And the whole thing when he comes in is just like, happy Thanksgiving, Dietrich. And it's like the, yeah, oh my God. And they get into a whole existential crisis about uh, what does happy Thanksgiving mean? What does Dietrich say back to him? How's it going or something like How's that? How's it going, pal, or something like that? Like, it's, oh my God. Yeah, Steve Landisberg has moved in front of almost everybody now. Well, and and what's the, what the funny thing is, is I kind of anticipate that maybe it'll lessen next season. Because again, he's new now. They're letting a lot of the jokes go through him like you would on a basketball team passing the ball to your best player, right? Like, there might be someone better next season, or they might focus on someone else. But right this season, it's like all Landisburg. Which again, not complaining. I'm enjoying it. He's nailing every single one of these jokes. Oh, for sure. And again, the, the scenarios that they're putting the precinct in are varied and different enough. Shit, Wojohowicz isn't even like in half these episodes, it feels like. It's real weird all of a sudden. Like, Max Gale's just kind of like gone. Yeah, yeah. It feels like maybe he was working on something else at the time. Like, he's just kind of like the last episode, he wasn't there for like half of it. Because he stole the car, so he wasn't even in the opening of the episode. <laughs> stole the car, wrecked the car, and I like the whole thing of how he just gives out those drips and drabs of information. Barney's like, would you stop doing that and just tell me everything at once? I'm going to strangle you. We've come, you know, we still have a long ways to go with the show, obviously. But I think if you look at the comedy of this season versus like season one, it's drastically different. It's a lot smarter. It's a lot well, I would say a lot more well-written, but it's definitely more well-written. I don't know varying degrees of scale, but the show was pretty funny when we started watching it. I think it's just a lot funnier now. And it's interesting, other than me saying, you know, oh, remember a few episodes ago when it was raining like crazy, there's not a lot of recycling going on in these three. No, and that I appreciate that because it felt like in some episodes of season three, it's like we've seen this before. Where they were doing like, oh, here's some more prostitutes back to the precinct. It's like, do we need to see this again, 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 again? I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more prostitutes in the next round of episodes. So on the next episode, we're going to be talking about Tunnel, Atomic Bomb, and The Bank. So hopefully Atomic Bomb isn't uh, that there's one in the precinct and that uh, Fish has to disarm. <laughs> Let's hide inside the refrigerator. It's lead line. <laughs> It works. It's I've seen it happen in movies before. The guy just got out of there and walked away. No radiation poisoning, nothing. Within like a hundred, you know, yards of a. It was a hundred yards. No, it's probably more than that. Half a mile of a nuclear bomb going. He might have even flown a mile and crashed and just walked right out of that. Right. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I like I like my movies to just not care. When the character steps out of a refrigerator and should have looked like a jumble of bones. Like one of those bags of candy you get at Halloween time, which is a bunch of bones and a skull, like sitting in the bottom. Yeah. The atomic bomb. I'm excited to see that episode. I I haven't watched that far ahead yet. I'm excited. I, I am also excited. I'm looking forward to talking about that next month. So, Chris, in the meantime, what's going on over at the Culture Cast? It's Mike White March. Mike White March is what's going on over at the Culture Cast. Uh... 
It's good. Mike programmed it. So there you go. I enjoy getting to talk with Mike once a month, but there's one month out of the year I enjoy more than most because I get to talk to Mike every week for an entire month. And that is Mike White March, which is going on right now at the Culture Cast, my movie podcast. You can find all my stuff, though, at C-S-T-A-C-H-I-W.com. Mike, question back at you. What's going on over at the Internet's favorite movie podcast, The Projection Booth? Well, we are talking about a lot of dirty movies this month. We're talking about Blonde Ambition. We're talking about Memories Within Miss Aggie. Talking about New Wave Hookers. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff going on over at The Projection Booth. A lot of uh, adult listening. So, don't come on over if you're under 18, which is okay, because I think our demographic is 35 to 45 males. He said, don't come on over, but I think there's going to be a lot of coming going on over your podcast this month, my friend. Going to be painting the walls. Paint the town's red. Paint my wagon white. That was the sequel to Paint My Wagon Red. And you find that over at projectionboothpodcast.com. As always, I want to thank John Walker for our theme song, and I want to thank all of y'all for listening to us. And I would love it if you could go on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from, even on Spotify now. Apparently, you can just hit like the little thumbs up arrow or five stars or something that always helps people know that uh, that you love us because we love you. I love you.